Hey everyone, on today's show, I'm going to discuss retaliation, what it is, why it's important to understand it if you are conducting investigations, and how to mitigate the organizational risks. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a practical guide for human resource professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's show. Today, I'm going to be talking about what I call the big R, retaliation. So if you are an employee relations professional or HR professional and you're tasked with conducting investigations, one of the things that you always have to keep in mind is that the people who participate in the process, the complainant, the witnesses, or even the subject, can potentially have a target painted on their back and be retaliated against just simply for cooperating in the process. So as an investigator, it's really important that you, first of all, understand retaliation, then figure out some of the steps to take in order to mitigate the risks. So let's get started and let's talk about what retaliation actually is. Retaliation really has really three primary elements. The first one involves a protected activity. All right, so what's a protected activity? Well, that means when an employee uh, comes forward and opposes a discriminatory practice, like if an employee complains to management um, about how they're being discriminated against based on um, you know, their religious faith, their uh, national origin, or any other protected characteristic, they could um, lodge a complaint using your company's internal uh, 800 like ethics hotline, or they go through your open door process. They also might uh, be able to participate in a proceeding like an EEOC uh, charge if they are uh, a witness in an EEOC investigation or if they themselves have been the charging party in an EEOC investigation. Uh, It could be if um, an employee testifies on behalf of another person who raised a claim of discrimination or even uh, if they have assisted in an investigation. So all of the above could get someone into what I call the protected activity, the proverbial bubble, where they are protected Uh, from being retaliated against. What's the next element in retaliation? The next one is what's called an adverse employment action. And that means that when something bad happens to the employee, we're having come forward to complain or something bad happens to someone else who participated in this process, such as a witness. And when there is a nexus between those two things, when a person has complained and then suddenly now maybe they're being written up when they were an excellent performer before, or um, a person who was a witness who participated in the protected activity, suddenly now they received a disciplinary warning and they're almost one foot out the door where a boss is essentially uh, threatening uh, to fire them. Okay, When there is a nexus between those two things, that's called causal connection. That, my friends, is not a good day. <laughs> and uh, right there is you know everything that's set up perfectly for you to have a retaliation claim. What do we do when we're investigating to really mitigate the risks of retaliation? Well, one of the first things that I do recommend is that um, you assess the need for interim action. So if a complainant comes forward, let's say it's a sexual harassment type of allegation, and uh, that individual has expressed um, you know, really some allegations of egregious conduct, the first thing you want to do is create a little bit of a buffer zone. You want them to be separated from uh, you know, the subject, the person who's the alleged perpetrator. And that might be um, temporarily um, administrative leave. Uh, They might temporarily report to another leader, something of that nature. 
But uh, that's one of the first things to kind of mitigate the risks is to kind of create a little bit of distance. But um, the other thing that I find, though, that's more prevalent is once the retaliation, I mean, once the investigation has concluded, that's when the retaliation can really happen. So let's say uh, the alleged perpetrator here, the subject in a sexual harassment case, winds up getting fired as a result of the case. It was substantiated and the organization took very strong uh, measures called a remedy uh, to let this person go. It could be after the fact, this uh, perpetrator had some friends, let's call him Pete. And let's say Pete has a few other friends who work at the company and suddenly now uh, the complainant, let's call her Kathy, uh, suddenly now Kathy has kind of the proverbial target on her back and then there are other employees that are now uh, retaliating against her. So what I find happens sometimes is, um, I had this in a fairly recent case, there was a, a manager who wound up being separated from the company because of his conduct and harassment and a variety of other infractions. Uh, wasn't the only thing. But the person who brought forward the complaint, well, suddenly now, this guy who got fired, his girlfriend was still working there. And she was very, very unhappy over the fact that he wound up losing his job. And so she pointed the finger and blamed, of course, the, the complainant who came forward. Well, that complainant came forward in good faith, and she reported some really egregious conduct. So, But the girlfriend, of course, she's really siding with uh, the boyfriend who was the manager who got fired. Well, suddenly now, after the case concludes, what does she do? She starts making allegations against the complainant. And essentially, they were bad faith, but this is a form of retaliation. She was coming forward and uh, making all kinds of accusations about this uh, poor complainant. All right, so sometimes retaliation can happen from the other uh, cronies that are still uh, working at the organization with the person who wound up being let go. So you just have to be mindful of you know those sort of... Uh, multiple cases or accusations that can be lodged against a complainant after the fact because of those who are uh, sort of in the camp of the person who got fired. The other thing that uh, I recommend from the standpoint of uh, mitigating risk is you really need to be very cautious, especially in cases where you are not going to separate the subject. If it's, let's say, a disciplinary warning and the subject is still going to remain with the organization, you need to really explore a couple of different scenarios. So in, uh, let's say, you know, Pete, the perpetrator isn't getting fired and Kathy, the complainant, is staying in place. It may be that we're going to look at sort of option one, option two, option three, what makes the most sense to minimize the risk. Maybe the first option is we no longer have Kathy reporting to Pete if it's a managerial relationship. Uh, that probably is a good option. Could be the second thing is maybe it's that we move Pete based on the conduct this is uh, a person who's going to receive a demotion. Now, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think that's necessarily the right call, but uh, there may be certain circumstances that might be relevant. Then, you know, you really need to think about, hmm, no longer that same reporting relationship. Maybe it could be you uh, decide to allow one or the other parties uh, uh, to maybe work remotely. Unfortunately, that isn't necessarily always going to be a great solution because there could still be retaliation happening in the form of, let's say, excessive performance uh, management, you know, scrutiny over Kathy's performance, even from afar. So I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of that one. But um, the idea here is have a conversation with your boss, probably legal counsel needs to weigh in here and um, discuss what I call scenario planning and think about the risk factor if you look at scenario one, scenario two, scenario three, and then pick the one that has the least amount of risk. Now, sometimes you are going to just have risk. 
Sometimes um, you will just not be able to make a change uh, in reporting relationship, or you may not be able to separate parties. There just may not be any other um, positions or uh, logistically, it's just not feasible. All right. So then what I really recommend from a risk standpoint is talking with the manager and really helping the manager to understand the do's and the don'ts. In other words, you say to the manager, your role here uh, post-investigation is to make sure that you are neutral in your dealings with this employee. And while you may be upset that you were held accountable here, you need to understand that if you were to take any steps that are retaliatory, and you might want to build a list of some things that are the don'ts. Like if you think that you're going to go and start really scrutinizing this employee's performance when you weren't doing it before and try to put them on a performance improvement plan or things like this, we are definitely going to push back on that because it will be retaliatory. You know, and then what you do need to talk about is maybe the way forward. Sometimes just by sitting the parties down in a room and um, in a previous uh, podcast episode, I talked about mediation. It may be that just getting uh, the parties in the room to talk through uh, what happened the way forward. And, you know, an apology also goes a really long way. You know, if the manager really, um, you know, is remorseful about the conduct and and the manager really and truly wants to retain employment there, you know, generally they're going to be pretty darned accommodating with what you recommend they need to do. So apologizing to the employee, it may be shaking hands and, you know, hopefully that will be sort of a little speed bump, if you will, in the relationship that you will get beyond it. Um, but again, assessing uh, who the players are, you have to assess the readiness level of the manager and, and their capability in being able to do it, the complainant. But you have to really look at these different scenarios. All right. So that's it for today's episode. I hope I taught you a little bit of uh, the big R. And uh, in a future episode, I'll be talking a little bit more about retaliation and uh, some further examples of what retaliation looks like today. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.